Welcome to the Language Mastery Show, a weekly podcast bringing you expert tips for getting fluent anywhere in the world. I'm your host, John Fotheringham. For show notes, visit languagemastery.com forward slash show. Great to have you back on the show, Steve. I was just looking back. We last chatted for the podcast way back in 2009. So oh, it, is, wow. it has been a minute. You're actually one of my first interviewees I ever had. And I, I really appreciate you uh, chatting to me then when when I nobody knew who I was. Most people still don't know who I am. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so since 2009, it's now 2022 when we're recording this. What, if anything, have you changed your mind about? in terms of what it actually takes to learn a foreign language? What is the best way to go about it? I don't think my basic approach has changed. In fact, I don't think it has changed since I was learning Mandarin Chinese in Hong Kong in 1968. In other words, you need to do a lot of listening and reading. That's basically it. I had never heard of Krashen, but uh, I used to scour the bookstores in Hong Kong looking for readers that had glossaries because looking things up in a Chinese dictionary is a very frustrating task. It takes forever. Yes. And any dictionary, as soon as you close the dictionary, you've forgotten what, what was there. So, you know, now we have online dictionaries and stuff. But in those days, you had to have readers. And so I got a whole library full of readers. Anything that ever came on the market in Hong Kong, I was there buying it and taking it home and reading. That hasn't changed. What has changed is how easy it has become to find material. I don't have to go scouring, you know, bookstores looking for stuff. Uh, I just can get on. Even for the languages that I'm learning now, like Arabic and Persian, there's podcasts, there's YouTube, there's art newspaper articles, there's so much stuff. And we have the tools to, to access these. You don't need the glossary because you've got the online dictionaries and you've got any number of other. And you got, the, you know, text-to-speech to help you out and uh, lots. So it's just become, become easy. But the, the basic principle is the same. So speaking of your time in Hong Kong, right? Uh, two questions I have. For those that don't know your whole story, why in the world were you learning Mandarin Chinese in Hong Kong? Because yeah. Cantonese, right, is kind of the, the major language there. Right. At least it was then. I know it's probably more Mandarin speakers there now. Um, so that's question one. And then question two is, how did you go about learning Mandarin then? I believe there was something about a reel-to-reel -reel recorder. I'd love to hear that story. Oh, okay. So the reason I was in Hong Kong was because I was working for the Canadian government. And Canada was getting ready to recognize the People's Republic of China. And so they wanted to train up some people in Mandarin Chinese. And I was offered the choice. I volunteered. I started learning on my own. I said, I'm your guy. I want to do it. So, of course, they're going to give it to me. Why would you not give it to someone who wants to do it rather than sending someone over there who might not want to or give up or whatever? And uh, so the choice was between the uh, American uh, forces uh, facility they had in uh, Monterey and, and Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. So it was a choice between enjoying myself on the beach or immersing myself in the Chinese environment. I took the Chinese environment. And of course, you couldn't go into China because they had the Cultural Revolution there. Uh, Taiwan was wouldn't be considered necessarily a smart move diplomatically or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I went to Hong Kong where they had a very good program at the Chinese University. They used the Yale and China material, which is, I still think, the best ever material for learning Chinese. And of course, in those days, they didn't yet have even cassette tapes. Basically, we had open reel tape recorders. And so, uh, and they were and big. These things are they huge, right? I've blast. seen photos of these things. They're, these are yeah, not a compact big. device. Yeah, I, I keep forgetting that stuff that 
some people might think is from the 19th century. For me, was normal. That's <laughs> what life was. And so I would sit in my room listening to these recordings. And and so and there wasn't as much nowadays with MP3 files. You can get sound wherever. It's not difficult. In those days, the bulk of the material had no audio, so reading was big. Which for Chinese is fine because such a big part of the job is learning the characters. Right. So, uh, but to the extent that I listen to audio material, if if a teacher had some kind of audio thing that they let us have, then I'd sit at home and listen to it. Characters, yes, obviously, are a huge undertaking. There's a lot of different opinions about how to best go about it. What's your take now, having because so you also speak, I know Japanese and read Japanese to a, I think, pretty decent level. How did you conquer characters, and would you do anything differently now to go about characters based on the new tools we have, or would it be the same basic approach? I'm not familiar with all the new tools, so I would certainly look into them. My son Mark, he learned characters for Japanese using Heisek, and so I would certainly look into that.、Uh, I used a very—I hadn't even heard the word spaced repetition system, but I developed my own system because I've got this sort of squared paper that Chinese schoolchildren use. You know, it's like、right. paper with squares, and and I had. A thousand flashcards, like real flashcards.、Mm-hmm. So I'd pick up one, and I'd start writing it. So if it was war, like eyes, oh, war, 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 war. I、mm-hmm. like write that ten times.、And、then I put it down. Then I pick up a second one, and I start writing down the page over to the next column. And I just keep doing that until I eventually ran into the first word that I had written. So literally, before I had completely forgotten it, I ran into it again. And I started doing ten a day using this system, you know, and then eventually I got up to thirty a day.、Uh, but I fully understood that most of whatever I thought I learned, I would forget. So I would always shuffle the flashcards back into the deck and keep on doing this. And so I did this. I would say for most of the first thousand characters, and thereafter, you start to become more familiar. Like like everything in language learning. That seems so difficult, so strange, whatever. The brain starts to see patterns. So after a while, you see a new character, you see elements there that you're familiar with, and it makes it easier to learn. I should say, by the way, when they start to teach you, like when you know nothing, and they say, "Here are these radicals, and this radical has these meanings, and this radical represents the sound, or whatever," it had made no impact on me at first until you have had no context. Yeah. No context. So after I'd seen 500 characters, a thousand characters, and then they say, "Oh yeah, there's oh okay, radical. I got, I got. I, now I understand what you're talking about." And that's like so much in language learning.、Mm-hmm. You kind of have to know it before before you can learn it, right? Yeah, it's a bit of a paradox, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So this was back in the. You said this was the 70s, or this? No, was, no, no. 68. The 68. Okay, late 60s. So fast forwarding then to now, we've already kind of touched、right. on this a little bit, but obviously technology has advanced. I mean, even just the last five, ten、right. years, there's、yep. been these amazing advances in technology.、Mm-hmm. How has that changed what you do and how you do it? I, I know you, in terms of method, you still are very much an advocate of extensive listening and reading, which I 100% agree with. But in terms of The how to do that? How has technology changed that process for you, if if at all? Well,、uh, I guess the first breakthrough was the MP3 file, actually preceded by the mini disc player, which didn't survive very long. But all、I、of a sudden, you had this very high quality、yep. sound that you could go around interview people.、Uh, you know, you could. The idea is to have very mobile audio、mm-hmm. compared to my open reel tape recorder. Okay. So we went to the little cassette guy that would tie up in spaghetti after you, you know, use it a few <laughs> times, and then we moved on、Get、to the, the pencil、minidisc. out. You got to wind up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Right. Yeah, and then, and then the mini disc player, which didn't last very long, 
and then MP3 players. So MP3 has revolutionized things. So sound is available everywhere. You can carry it. I, on my iPhone, I've got, like I can remember when I started into language learning and of course I had my web business, I was approached by a local community college. Would I be willing to donate some money to a language lab? And they were trying to raise $50,000 for a language lab. I got more material in my iPhone than they will ever have in any language lab. And, and, and audio and text and more accessible and, and everything about it. So I think the MP3 player and online dictionaries. Mm -hmm. so, so you no longer have to look things up, which is very time consuming. You no longer have to find a reader. It's nice to have a reader with a glossary because I like books too, mm -hmm. but you don't have to have it. And you can literally go anywhere on the internet, find material, sometimes with audio, sometimes not. There's just so many things. Like I get podcasts from in Persian and I take the MP3 file and I put it on Happy Scribe and I get an automatic transcription. That's, so that's call it artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And in the three years that I've been doing that, the accuracy has in, improved tremendously to the point where they're very usable, very mm -hmm. usable. Then I take the, the, the MP3 file and the, the transcription that I transcript that I received, and I import it into Link, and I go through there. And stuff that I listen to and don't understand, I can now start saving words and phrases, and, and I can learn it. I mean, that whole process is... And if I read something in Arabic, and I'm not quite sure because it's tricky in Arabic, the pronunciation, I can text to speech and I can hear. You know, it used to be, you know, if you're relying on paper books, uh, Paul Nation out of New Zealand, and it was generally accepted that you shouldn't read anything that has more than 5% new words because it's too difficult for you and stuff. But realistically, if you're relying on having material that has only 5% new words, you'll be forever because it's, it's going to be boring. It's not very interesting content. No, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's not. So, so with, again, systems like Link, online dictionaries, mm -hmm. you can start accessing material. Me, the sweet spot is like 15% new words. Because mm -hmm. first of all, some of those are going to be names. Like, you know, the statistics right. on Link, they'll tell you there's 15% new words, but some of those will be names. Yeah, you can access more difficult material. You can plow your way into more difficult, therefore more interesting material. You can hear it. You can save words and phrases. You can access things like YouTube. You know, we have a browser extension at Link. You just click on it, mm -hmm. bingo, and it comes as a lesson. And Netflix too, right? And it's Netflix. Netflix cool. doesn't allow us to take the uh, the video, right? But you can get the transcript, the transcript, yeah, uh, and work on the transcript. Uh, it's just everything about it, and then even the ability to find tutors online. Mm -hmm. You know, iTalkie is, I think, the biggest one in that uh, domain. Verbling, some others. We do some, but not as much as they do. But even there, if I have a lesson with a tutor, I tell the tutor, please uh, make a list of my 10 or 15, uh, you know, words that are, or phrases that I struggled with. Mm -hmm. Give me a list with no English, you know, like a Microsoft Word document and record it for me, please. Even if we stop five or 10 minutes earlier, because now I have a record of all my lessons going back six months, right. eight months, and I can hear them again. Each lesson is now three, four, five minutes of the words and phrases that I struggled with. Right. That and you, three, to, to underline that, that you struggle right. with. So it's not a, a classroom where you, you have to deal no, with these 30 these are my students. words. These are yours. Yeah. That's such an important factor. And the interesting thing, it's so interesting to go back and review your lessons of three months earlier or six months earlier. You struggled with the same words and you made the same mistakes mm -hmm. three months earlier as you're still making now, which mm -hmm. is only to sort of emphasize that it takes a long time. Right. right. We don't, you get corrected and okay, now I'll say it correctly. No, you'll continue to say it right. wrong. You'll continue to forget the same words, but slowly, somehow the language penetrates. Right. So to kind of summarize here, what I'm hearing 
in terms of what's new or what the technology's done, there's sort of two sides of this. There's the access to media and resources, right. and then there's how you process that content in right. a systematic way. Right. And I think this will be a good transition in, into talking about Link more specifically. Okay. Uh, I know you guys just released Link 5.0, which is really right. exciting. I've been testing that out and it's it's really quite slick, I have to say. So tell us more about what Link actually is. Uh, what you know? Why did you create it in the first place? What is it now? Right. And what's new in, in 5.0? Well, we created it. It's a long story. We had an employee immigrant from China, actually, that I heard that he would, had his money stolen at the airport in Vancouver, whatever. Anyway. And uh, so we created a lot of material because we had a lot, we have a lot of immigrants in Canada who are supposedly skilled immigrants, well-educated, high TOEFL scores, but they can't communicate and therefore they can't get decent, uh, you know, office jobs. Like you may be an engineer, but if you can't communicate, it's going to be very difficult for you. So we created a bunch of sort of material where they could look up words, say words, say phrases, listen. And, and that was the message. That's how, how to learn. We tried to, eventually we tried to interest the immigration department here, but I don't know what it's like in the States, but the immigrant service organizations are motivated mostly to get funding from government. So if you come up with a solution that doesn't put people in their classroom, they're not very interested. So then we said, okay, that's not going to work. So we made it a multi-language platform. So the same principle, which was originally just for learning English, we made that now a multi-language platform. And our original idea was that the members can record themselves in their own language and therefore can help other members of the community who are learning their own language, like right. that public language. Crowdsource. And so for the approach. longest time, yeah, crowdsourcing content, we've moved away from that model now uh, because the quality of content is very important. Yeah. Very, very important. So you can't just have some random person on a cell phone recording something. Uh, so we're trying to clean up the content where we have, you know, less than optimal content. We're removing that and having, you know, in many cases, professionals re-record it, improve it. The idea with Link is to take advantage of this sort of, what we described, this abundance of, of language content that's out there, both in text and audio, and then make it easy to access it and then provide functionality that makes it easy to acquire words from that content. And while you are forcing yourself to acquire words, and at Link we have a lot of statistics tracking what you are doing, what you are reading, words you are saving, how many words you know, the idea is that this is driving you to spend more time with the language. Because ultimately, if you spend time with a language, you will learn. And so you're driven to increase your word count. You're driven to do more listening and reading and saving words. Even if you forget them, you're pushing yourself through the content. And the more you push yourself through the content, the more you're going to learn. Right. You kind uh, of gamify uh, input. Just kind of how I often think just about Just by input. Yeah. That's not to say you shouldn't output. I do. Right. I spend twice right. a week. If I have an opportunity, if I go to the country, if I when I lived in Japan, every opportunity you have to speak, you should take advantage. But even if you are where the language is spoken, you still need to spend a lot of time with input. Otherwise, if you're just talking, like in Japan, they have these eikaiwa and stuff. Mm -hmm. You're only ever going to use the vocabulary. Like you can only use a small subset of the vocabulary that you know. So if you're in conversation with other learners, there's a very low level of vocabulary that's being used. Yeah. So you have to drive yourself to find more words and bring more words in. And they're inevitably low frequency words because the top thousand words, I mean, frequency drops off very, very quickly. Yeah. And so okay. at the beginning, you're learning lots of words because you're seeing them a lot. And then 
eventually, no, you're going to have to continue exposing yourself to interesting content. So what we did then with Link 5.0, first of all, we recognized we had a problem with the library. So and, and what has happened in the world around us is Netflix, Spotify, all these different mm-hmm. websites that present their content their whatever it might be programs in an attractive way. And so we basically tried to imitate what they do. So, you know, we have shelves and you can, you know, there's different, uh, you know, your, what you're studying right now or trending or news or health or whatever, different uh, shelves of content where the icon present a bit like Netflix or Spotify. So it's, that is a big part of it to make the library. And we improved our search function in our library. Mm-hmm. You have to make it easier for people to find content. And we're still not as good as we would like to be. But uh, and then we can link now to external links, you know, on YouTube and stuff so that each person is linking to these videos for their own use. So we're not technically sharing it because we don't have the copyright, but we're making it easier for people to find these videos that they can import. And then they are converted to lessons, even in terms of tracking activity. We were tracking you know, links created, words read sort of independently, and we're now merging them so that you get credit for your activity. So if you spend more time listening on a given day or more time reading, then your coins, as we call it, count goes up. You maintain your streak because this reflects the fact that people don't want to do the same thing every day. So if you can only maintain your streak by creating links, now they're saving words, then you're not getting any credit for the day you're just listening. So, So we've made it more of a merged activity index, which I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Other things like we've improved sentence view. Uh, so you can study things sort of one sentence at a time. Very yeah. often. The which is less overwhelming, I think, especially but, for a language like Japanese or Mandarin. Where or Arabic or Persian. Right, right. A non-Latin alphabet. A whole page of that is pretty overwhelming, I think. So, I know. Yeah. It's uh, So, I mean, there's a, a bunch of stuff like that. The, the, uh, just how the lesson page works with you have a choice uh, between a floating sort of widget, you know, when you're looking things up or having it over on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just slicker, more convenient, mm-hmm. more attractive, which is all very important because you have to enjoy the environment. You have to find that this is a pleasant place to be. I enjoy being here because you have to develop that habit to go there almost every day. You, to, to, As you know, to learn a language, you can't do it once a week. No. <laughs> you got to want to be there even if it's half an hour i haven't done um, anything on LinkedIn. today okay go there right yeah that that was kind of the the basic gut feeling i had when i looked at it again recently because I, I i've dipped my toes in and out of link many times over the right. last 10 years but this last time really kind of looking under the hood that was the feel i got it was it's just much easier to find what i you know content to read or listen to and then once i'm into an article or a lesson it's just much smoother and easier to keep going through the article. Right. And then I feel much more likely to come back and use it every day because yeah. the streak feature, I think, has been much improved to your point. Yeah. And and there you have it. I mean, it was kind of with you, you and, have and the input and the habit. Yeah. I think the synchronization between if you're doing it online or you're doing it on your iPhone or your iPad, mm-hmm. it synchronizes better. It catches you. You catch up to where you were the last time you were. Uh, studying that lesson, wherever you were studying it. So I can't go through the whole list, but people sure. identified things that they were less than happy with with the old system. And we went after a lot of those in the new system. And we are continuing to do so. There's still inevitably little things that we would like to, you know, wouldn't call them glitches, but there are still issues that we're working on. Sure. Yeah, it's never done, is it? So never just like done. a language. Yes. Okay, transitioning a little bit now into your own 
language learning. Last time I checked, you now have some level in 20 languages, two zero. Right. That's a pretty big number. A lot of people struggle just with one foreign language, as you know. So what do you think accounts for your success in learning so many foreign languages to, I mean, I know they're all at different levels, but let's just say at least conversational fluency. Right. In, in 20 languages. First of all, I, I wouldn't say that I have conversational fluency in some of those languages because I've been away from them. Sure. sure. So, but at I one point when you were, well, when you were focusing on it, you, you yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's, you know, like when I was in Prague, I was speaking Czech. When I was in Romania, sure. I was speaking Romanian. I would struggle, but it wouldn't take me a day to get back to where I was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, you know, people sort of like to challenge you. Oh yeah. You say you speak such a yeah, language. You tie your shoelaces. Right. Right. So I can't necessarily do that, but uh, I think there are several things. First of all, now, since since the age of 60, I mean, I'm essentially retired, so I can spend as much time as I want, except when my wife likes to play golf, so that cuts into my language during time. And you're 77 uh, now? 76. 76. Yeah. yeah, 77 in October. So, Happy early birthday. <laughs> ah, thank you, thank you. So, uh, but I think also, you know, when we start in a new language and when we're learning another language, everything is foggy. You know, it's a bit like, a jigsaw puzzle, there's nothing there. But as more pieces are, you know, you put more pieces in the picture, you start to, stuff starts to come together. I am confident that if I put in the time, it'll eventually, the, the picture will emerge, okay? I think a lot of people are not confident. So they're easily frustrated. And a lot of people have unrealistic expectations. They think, gee, I studied this sentence. Like they'll go into a mini story at Link. I had this experience with my brother. And they say, you know, there's like five sentences and I'm trying to learn the first sentence. I said, Tom, it's not five sentences. It's a story, okay? Mm -hmm. Lots of sentences. And you move on when you understand 50% because the brain doesn't want to be, have something pushed into it. The brain just wants to get exposure. And so I think a lot of language learners are obsessed with mastering stuff and they are unwilling to move on when things are still fuzzy. Right. And the reality is you have to move on because otherwise the brain gets tired of trying to learn the same thing. It's not going to learn it. And, and uh, you kind of have to move on and then come back and move on. And, I, and I'm quite comfortable doing that. Uh, I'm comfortable, even if I'm talking to someone, I can't remember, I can't say something. I don't understand something. It doesn't matter. Uh, right. I'm listening to a story and always the same part of it. I can't understand. Like, I don't hear it for that particular mm-hmm. part. I read it. I listen again. I still don't get it. It doesn't frustrate me because I know that's normal. But I think a lot of people are frustrated with that. And so they give up. So a high tolerance for fuzziness, if we were to. <laughs> high tolerance for fuzziness. Absolutely. Yeah. And for mistakes and mm-hmm. all of that. If I were to look back at my own language learning journey, I think that's been my biggest weakness mm-hmm. is having a lower tolerance for fuzziness. And you know, definitely, I, I have put way too much effort into trying to quote unquote master things right. earlier than our, my brain is ready to. So yeah, mm-hmm. I can I can really attest to that as as a weakness. So which is why I have three instead of twenty, <laughs> which is probably. But yes, um, that's really interesting. As you've gotten into more and more languages, I mean, some people often say the more languages you learn, the easier they get. There, I think there is some truth to that probably, but it's also, it is just work at the end of the day, right? It's still going to take, uh, take oh, yeah. time. I mean, it's work. I, I think I've been at Arabic for three years. Arabic. Mm-hmm. Now, I tried to do three at once, Arabic, Persian, and Turkish. And Arabic also has the Levantine Egyptian standard. So there's lots right. of issues there, but it takes time. Right. It takes time. So it's it's effort. But it, it does get easier in the sense that you're more confident that you will eventually achieve something. And, and also, like with my Arabic, whatever I achieve, I'm happy. 
I, I have no illusions. Like I have to mm-hmm. prove that I'm, you know, B2 or something. I don't right. care. I, Who cares? It's, <laughs> it's for you. you know, I understand stuff. Yep. It's good. I, I I was in a store. There was a lady there from Lebanon. I spoke to her in Arabic. Mm-hmm. And she complimented me. Of course, I didn't deserve the compliment, but it's all good. Well, that's a whole other thing, right? As with Japanese, I'm sure you know, like when yeah. people stop complimenting your Japanese, that's when you know it's actually getting good. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's so interesting. I was recently in, in Turkey, actually, uh, for oh, yeah. a work, work retreat, and I had grand ambitions of learning you know, a lot of Turkish before I went over. In the end, I, I didn't really have much to my name in, in terms of Turkish. But what little I had, I was really amazed at how far it took me and how grateful Turkish people were that I even tried to not use English. That that continually amazes me how little can take you how far if you are willing to try. And if you, to your point, if you can tolerate not being eloquent or, or having lots of fuzziness, you know, right. it's almost all fuzzy for me, but, but the tiny little bit that I had, I had kind of figured out, uh, it really took me a long way. Well, I mean, this is the thing. I think if we live in North America, we expect people to speak English. Right. So if someone speaks to you in very broken English, people can actually be a bit impatient at times. Mm-hmm. In Turkey, or like the Iranian immigrants here in Vancouver, they don't expect you to speak their language. Right. So anything you do in their language, they're very appreciative. And it's the ultimate form of respect, isn't it? Depending on the language. Like there are languages where they expect you to learn the language. Or, so, mm-hmm. or you know, if you go to France, well, why don't you speak French kind of thing? Right. Maybe, you know, right. even more so in North America. Why don't you speak? You know, you should speak English. I haven't yeah. got time to listen to your broken English. <laughs> yeah, it's an unfortunate double standard, but right. that is the reality. So what what's next, do you think, in terms of of languages or travel, do you have a kind of a wish list of next languages or is it kind of doubling down on ones you've already begun or what's coming up? It's all fun for me. Right now I'm reading a book in German on link, which is fun to do. Like whatever I do, if I go and do some more Turkish, I dabbled in Turkish a bit, you know, that would have been my 21st. And then I backed off because I wanted to get better at the Arabic script. Mm -hmm. If we get, if we get uh, Punjabi or Hindi on link, I'll probably make an attempt to learn that language, A, because there's a lot of speakers, and B, we have a lot of uh, Sikhs, you know, Punjabi speakers here mm-hmm. in Vancouver. It's always fun if uh, the checkout girl at the supermarket sure. happens to be uh, Punjabi, I can say something to her and she'll smile. That's always good. <laughs> so so how much, this is kind of a cheeky question, but how much of what languages come to link next are what languages Steve is learning or wanting to learn? <laughs> uh, for a long time, that was the case. Yeah. I mean, if we have Romanian, Ukrainian, Persian, those are because I wanted those languages. Mm-hmm. There is actually relatively little advantage to link to adding languages because not many people end up right. studying those languages. Diminishing. So it's not very attractive. Right. And if if there's not enough content there or if the quality of the content is not very good or if some of the dictionaries aren't good, we get nothing but trouble mm-hmm. from the three users who want to learn that language. However, we decided on a policy that was if there are volunteers who are willing to translate the 60 mini stories into mm-hmm. Armenian or Gujarati and record them, then we will put the language up. Got so it. therefore, we've had Gujarati, we've got the Bulgarian, we've got, uh, you know, Icelandic, Armenian. But but we have now at least we've got a person looking over the quality. So mm-hmm. even if someone has gone to the trouble of creating the stories in Tagalog, if the sound quality isn't up to a certain standard, we're not going to put it up. Because I think we can't have we can't have stuff that's just not good quality. So that's the only thing. Good quality mini stories 
online dictionary, potential of finding more material for the learner, we put it up. Even if there's, in the end, only one person studying that language. That's kind of the, the commitment that we've made. Yeah, I think that's a good minimum viable requirement. Going forward then, let's say tomorrow you would wake up and somehow you forgot all the languages you speak, forgot how you learned them. If you were to start from absolute scratch on your first language tomorrow, what would that look like? What would you do? What would a day of language learning look like for you? Well, you know, you assume, therefore, that all of the all of the experience that I have of language learning is gone. So right. probably I would go and buy a Teach Yourself or one of those, you know, a colloquial or one of those and just go through the same process, which is what I used to do. Mm -hmm which is what I used to do. And it took a long time. I can remember, uh, I said, I can learn Portuguese and I speak Spanish fairly well. And I was using this uh, teacher self book and I never really made any progress. So um, if I'm allowed to use my experience and if I have many stories in that language, I will go to the many stories. Now that's because I'm experienced. I don't mind hearing a story, which is at first noise which was mm -hmm. the case for me with Persian, Arabic, just noise. And uh, I look at words, so now it's 80% noise. Then I move to the second one, and the third one, and the fourth one, and the fifth. then I go back to the first one. And I continue doing this until my statistics at Link tell me that I've listened to the, the same story 30 times, 40 right. times. The right. first story, 40 times. The 10th story, 30 times. The 20th story, 25 times. Because I keep on going up and then back to the beginning mm -hmm. again and stuff. And I just do that. And I allow myself to listen and listen and read and look up words and listen. I just do that. And then if I'm curious about a point of grammar, then I'll look it up, which, mm -hmm. again, we forgot to mention that. It's so easy now. You don't need a teacher to explain stuff. If you want to know declension of this noun or conjugation of this verb or how do pronouns work in Italian, you just Google and it's right. all there. So uh, you can even download PDF files of grammar, you know, descriptive grammar, because mm -hmm. you don't want to be doing the exercise. That's a waste of time. But you can get the descriptive grammar. You can look mm -hmm. things up. Uh, so I would do the mini stories. And then when I was curious about some aspect of how the language works, because some of it is obvious, like you say, oh, this language uh, is, uh, you know, subject, object, verb. Mm -hmm. you'll figure that out very quickly because as you're doing it, you'll start to see that's how the language works. So right. not everything in the language has to be described to you. A lot of things you discover, but some things you don't notice. And so there are mm -hmm. times when you have to go to the grammar and see an explanation. And then if you've done a lot of listening and reading, that explanation will refer to something that you've already experienced. Right. There's and and then it's Eureka. Okay, right. now I understand, right? right? Whereas if it's described ahead of time, you know, it's just exactly you got no point of reference. Yeah, I really want to underscore something you just said before, which right. I think for somebody who's listening who maybe has not learned one or many foreign languages, they probably see somebody like you and they expect when you start a language that it isn't just noise. That they they think that you have some kind of secret sauce where right. you have some metalinguistic superpower where it's more comfortable or more comprehensible to you that it is to them. But to your point, it's hundred percent noise when you yeah. first, for the many, right. first many times you're listening to this. And I, I think that's super important to underscore that, that you go through the same struggle. It's just, you have the confidence to your point earlier and the patience to stick through that until it 
becomes comprehensible. Exactly. And in the case of Persian and Arabic, a, a writing system that at the beginning, I'm saying, I will never, even I say to myself, I will never learn this. This is impossible. They all, the little squigglies look the same. Mm-hmm. And they don't even have the same value in every word, you know. It's, it's impossible. Right. But you, but then I remind myself that everything that at first seems impossible, mm-hmm. eventually the fog lifts. That's that's the key. Right. Stay it's with it. Defuzzied. It's defuzzy. Very cool. Well, just to kind of wrap up, what do you see coming down the pike in the next, I don't know, let's say five years for Link and for your own uh, language adventures? For Link, it's hard to say because, mm-hmm. I mean, we're always thinking of f- cool functions that would be nice to have. My son, Mark, runs Link. It's up to him to decide. Mm-hmm. You know, this may be cool for some people, but it, it's going to increase the complexity for other people. Right. And so you have to strike a balance. So there are things. I think a big part of it is, is uh, how we interface, interact with content that's available on the Internet. And they, YouTube and others, are constantly changing the rules. So, you know, we have to make sure that we're, we're adjusting. It would be nice if, if there was some way we could integrate with automatic transcription services hmm. so that anybody listening to any audio anywhere can then get the, the transcript. Right. And maybe that's something that at some point we could, uh, we could do. Uh, maybe, you know, there's this other thing, you know, can we integrate with content providers who want to sell stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's typically would be, could be higher quality, but the difficulty is there's so much available free of charge. Is it realistic to sell stuff? Mm-hmm. We don't know, but it's something we, we sometimes think about uh, better integration with online tutoring uh, because link has so much content there. It should be integrated into online lessons in some way. Right. Because I have been to online tutors who don't know what they're doing. They basically, here I am. What do you want to talk, talk about? Talk. Right. Right. You know, I'm your Persian tutor. Talk to me in person. No, no, no. You talk to me in Persian. So in other words, gives us something that can be the the the, the meat of our right. lesson. And then the follow-up through, you know, somehow better integrating online tutoring, which is becoming a bigger and bigger factor mm-hmm. in, in, in language learning today. Uh, rather than going to a school is interacting with someone online. But how do you how do you leverage that to make it even more powerful? You can't spend five hours a day with an online tutor. It's it's expensive. It's it's not pleasant. So how do you integrate our input based learning with with, you know, intelligently with tutors? That could be something going sure. forward. Also, uh, matchmaking. I think that's yeah. something that's still very weak in a lot of the, the tutoring platforms is it's just matched by language and maybe time, but not interests, not, uh, right. you know, specializations in certain topics or fields. Right. The whole area of online tutoring is something that's very interesting. Some tutors say, okay, today I'm going to teach you the colors. Well, you can't teach me the colors. Like that's not, <laughs> they still think in those terms, right? right. Uh, we're going to cover articles of clothing. You can't learn that way. So how, what is, what is the optimum online language lesson? Mm-hmm. And I think the optimum online language lesson has to somehow be linked to content in some way, because you have to leverage two or three hours a week into a much larger learning experience. 
a lot of people don't want that. They think they're going to talk the way to fluency. I, I don't right. believe that. You're, you're right. forever using the same words. You're not, you're not getting anywhere. So I think that better integration with the online learning community. In terms of myself, uh, as I say, I might want to go for one of the South Asian languages. But or maybe Swahili. I've never learned an African language. If we ever get a, a native, you know, First Nations, whatever, you're, a Native American, you know, language, uh, mini stories, I'll certainly give that a try. Cree cool. is the biggest one in Canada. I don't know mm. in the States. Maybe it's something else. I think Navajo is the biggest Navajo native speaker. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Uh, any final words of encouragement to a language learner who's listening, who who maybe feels stuck? Maybe they're in the intermediate plateau and they they don't feel themselves improving and they want to give up or maybe somebody who has thought about learning language, but they haven't taken the jump yet because they're intimidated by all these uh, contradictory bits of advice they hear on the internet. What would you say to this person? My advice is to obviously keep going, find a way to enjoy the process. Uh, You sometimes hear people say, you know, the new sort of dictation translation apps will make it unnecessary to learn foreign languages. This is simply not true. Uh, I cannot imagine being in, say, Barcelona and going out to dinner with a group of Spaniards and going there with your iPhone. And every time you want to participate in the uh, conversation, you're going to, excuse me, hold on a sec here. Buenos dias. It's not going to work. No, the whole thing about languages is, and nor if you're watching a movie. You know, you you can watch the movie with English subtitles. You can do that now. You don't have to learn the language to do that. Mm -hmm. But you have a greater sense of appreciation of that movie. You can understand. So I think the the uh, the need for language learning is only going to grow. People are going to realize that the things we've discussed today, including the work that you're doing and the people online who are encouraging others to learn languages and the content that people are creating online, Français Authentique, for example, or, you know, there's so many of these, it's exploding. And so I think language learning is becoming easier all the time. There are more and more people encouraging people to learn languages. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's really up to individuals to uh, accept the fuzziness, accept the difficulty, uh, persevere. Everyone can learn. Everyone can learn. And you're never Despite too old. the experience we had at, at school. <laughs> yes, right. Despite that. Which I think even that seems to be evolving. No, oh, yeah. not as not as quickly as we'd hope, but you know, I've been to these American conference of teachers of foreign language. Mm-hmm. The teachers, many of the teachers, are very enthusiastic mm-hmm. and very, you know, fans of crashing uh, right. input uh, storytelling. Unfortunately, they teach in a world where they need to produce. Uh, you know, they have a curriculum right. and they Testing. want tests, yeah. and the parents insist on tests, and so right. so there is that struggle. But at the level of the teachers in the school system, I think a lot of them are a lot better than they were 20 years ago. Not that they were all bad 20 years ago, but no, no. And the learner themselves, too, they, they don't have to wait for their teachers or the institutions right. to change. To your point earlier, they have their iPhone or whatever exactly. device they have. They have everything they need. Exactly. They need that motivation and the tolerance for fuzziness, I guess. Oh, yeah. And you don't even need in a school a, a necessarily an expert in, uh, you know, Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need a, a, a guy, a, a person who understands how to learn languages and how to find stuff on the internet. Right. And if you have a student that wants to learn a given language or wants to get ahead of the class, this is this other thing in schools. They don't want their kids to get ahead of the rest of the class. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. If the kid is motivated, more motivated than the average kid in the class, let the kid go. Right. You know, 
So I think all, all of that hopefully will change. Hope so. Yep. Take the brakes off of the motivated learners for sure. All right. Well, Steve, I really appreciate your time. I enjoyed and, it. Uh, I uh, look forward to using Link more. And all right. uh, we'll be in touch soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Language Mastery Show. Again, you can find show notes at languagemastery.com forward slash show. Before you continue on with your day, take a quick moment to choose one small tip or takeaway from today's episode to apply in your life. Listening to podcasts is a great first step, but the real magic only happens when you translate information into action. Also, if you want to help keep this show going, there are three key things you can do to help. Number one, Leave a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you use to listen to podcasts. Number two, join my free newsletter called Language Mastery Monday, in which you get weekly tips, tools, and resources for building an effective language immersion environment anywhere in the world. And number three, if you're learning Japanese or Mandarin Chinese, check out my detailed immersion guides called Master Japanese and Master Mandarin. Both provide step-by-step instructions for how to immerse yourself in Japanese or Chinese right where you are. Learn more at JapaneseMastery.com and ChineseMastery.com. And you can use the code SHOW, that's S-H-O-W, to get 25% off either guide. All right, we'll see you next week for another episode of the Language Mastery Show. Until then, happy learning.